Welcome to BIB Today, the daily business show from the journalists at Business in Vancouver. I'm Haley Wooden. On Monday, November 30th, the Indigenomics Institute hosts Designing Our Economies, Indigenomics by Design. It's a full-day virtual forum, and I'm joined today by the CEO and founder of the Institute, Carol Ann Hilton, to talk more about it. Thanks so much for coming on our program. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Tell me, what is Indigenomics? Yeah, for sure. Indigenomics is economics from an Indigenous worldview. I describe it as the collective response to a historical development of Indigenous economic exclusion in the development of this country and a future built on Indigenous economic inclusion uh, for this country. It's The concept is built on the idea that it is a platform for Indigenous economic design. So instead of this negative perception of Indigenous peoples being a cost on the system, actually seeing um, generative economic design of Indigenous economies, and that leadership is focused on um, being able to facilitate uh, partnerships, financing, um, and an inclusion process that's necessity for the economic relationship of Indigenous populations um, within Canada and within our regions today. Can you give me some, some examples of sort of the application of Indigenomics by design that exists today? For sure. One of the um, examples that I really hold up um, of a nation on the west coast of Vancouver Island um, that I think requires looking at, of understanding the growth and evolution of an Indigenous economy. Uh, the Ohiat Nation um, outside of Vancouver Island on the west coast, I'm, I think, is a very good demonstration that through their process of self-governance um, today, they've been able to really define and establish this their own economic presence. So whether that is acquisition of forest tenure licenses, um, core pieces of land, um, being a majority land owner within the small town um, next to them, where we're seeing this shift of Indigenous economic influence and this str economic strength that's being designed by um, nations. And it's this presence that really is what Indigenomics is about, being able to support the demonstration of our economic strength and looking at tangible pathways for economic growth through partnerships, business development um, going forward. So I think that's a great example of Indigenomics in action. When we think, I think, broadly about just economic development and growth, there are certain kind of foundational pieces that we expect to be there. Finance would be one. Partnerships, like you mentioned, might be another. Um, what are some of the barriers that have existed to um, us really seeing Indigenomics thrive in practice in this country? And what are maybe some of the solutions to some of the gaps that have existed? Yeah, for sure. I think that... Um, we're seeing this classic example of the economic cart pulling the social horse. And if you look at that as a metaphor, um, there's so much lack of balance between um, measuring socioeconomic gap and actually measuring Indigenous economic strength. What is important is 
to understand is the long-term experience of the underdevelopment of the Indigenous economies through the Indian Act. That has been probably the number one significant challenge. And it really doesn't matter how nations define themselves today of whether they're numbered treaty, a modern treaty, other aspects of self-governance or under the Indian Act. Every single nation has been affected by the Indian Act and every single Canadian has also been affected by the Indian Act. And what is important as well is also understanding the undercapitalization of the Indigenous economy, that Indigenous economic growth today is happening in spite of that. And that's really important consideration in understanding the limitations of the Indigenous economy today. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you think that appropriate sort of level of capitalization might come from? I noticed looking at some of the sponsors for your virtual forum, Van City, RBC, and others are there. It seems like they're at least by engaging with the forum kind of coming to the table, but for us to really see a meaningful coming to the table when it comes to capitalization, what do you think needs to happen? Yeah, for sure. So under the uh, Aboriginal Financial Network, um, there's been a capped amount of capital available to Indigenous businesses. And the growth of Indigenous businesses has um, excelled beyond the level of available capital through those programs. My message has largely been that the Indigenous economy cannot exist solely within government programs and services, that what is extended to nations um, from a program perspective is barely enough and many nations are not even able to hire an economic development officer with the available funds. So that again, that concept of the economic cart pulling the social force. Um, With that realization as well, um, the roles of banks, the roles of the financial sector in the growth of the Indigenous economy is really coming to visibility today, where there's this realization that Um, access, the limited narrative of access to capital, there's more um, avenues and more um, focus in terms of the potential of the capitalization of the Indigenous economy today. So big banks, I believe, are very much realizing the strategic advantage of working with Indigenous nations. And what needs to be undone is this perception of high risk um, of um, investing into the Indigenous businesses. Indigenous businesses are growing um, at a rate that is impressive in that what I refer to as a hockey stick growth that, you know, Canada loves hockey. Let's actually engage in this hockey stick growth of the Indigenous economy and the required capitalization of it. Mm-hmm. Tell me a bit about that growth story, because I know I've interviewed you before at BIV and you've spoken about this $100 billion vision of an Indigenous economy. Tell me maybe where we kind of are today and when you see that coming to fruition. Yeah, for sure. Originally, we had looked at a um, five-year time frame, and then, of course, COVID hit. And I think that what is coming into visibility today is this increased um, perception of the billion-dollar narrative. So we see examples, even in most recent weeks, um, we saw the Clearwater National Narrative around um, Indigenous business becoming the largest owner within uh, that seafood company. We saw last week or the week before a billion-dollar investment into Keystone. We're seeing um, this larger narrative of Indigenous engagement and Indigenous business activity. 
And I think that's really what needs to be paid attention to is that what is possible in engaging with Indigenous businesses that um, looking at the uh, investment and looking at the areas of higher Indigenous economic activity, such as procurement or clean energy technology, um, and also partnership examples. I, I draw attention to groups such as the uh, Stalo Community Futures, where they have hundreds and hundreds of Indigenous businesses within um, what they've identified in the uh, Chilliwack and surrounding areas that I think now the access and visibility of Indigenous businesses is ever increasing and something to be paid attention to for sure. Absolutely. What role does UNDRIP play in this kind of vision for a billion or multi-billion dollar opportunity? Yeah, for sure. So at our upcoming forum on Monday, I have uh, Regional Chief Terry TG speaking to the economic um, potential impacts of the implementation of UNDRIP. And when we realized that the game has changed, that, you know, in my book that I wrote, Indigenomics, Taking a Seat at the Economic Table, what is important is that is that our, our nations and our businesses are actively taking up space um, within the regional and national and, uh, economies. And with that, um, this is a time to be establishing our leadership. So what is important is that, you know, the large resource sector tables, you know, whether it's tourism, hospitality, aquaculture, forestry, that the leadership tables themselves are asking the big questions of, you know, what does that mean that Indigenous nations are taking our seat at the economic table of this country today? And I think that's the narrative that needs to be not just government is implementing it, but how that will impact the whole value stream of the uh, British Columbia economy itself. So speaking of this full day virtual forum you have coming up, what do you hope participants take away? What do I hope participants will take away? I think that there's this um, renewed focus on Indigenous economic strength, that our resilience is at the forefront that we're growing, our Indigenous businesses are growing um, at exponential levels, and that essentially our ability to generate partnerships, um, generate innovative areas um, of business activity. I, I think that there's been a lot of focus of Indigenous and national business organizations around the COVID economic response. And what we didn't want to do was kind of over... Um, focus on that, but really on the larger structural designs of our economies themselves and hear from leadership around um, the structure of success. And that's what I would want to have participants to be able to see demonstrated within the talks. And seeing that we have this huge spectrum of participants from government to foundations to policymakers, um, Indigenous businesses, there's just this mix of people that are focusing on Indigenous economic design and collaboration and partnership. I think to the point about COVID-19, we're also so focused on getting through the pandemic, but once we're kind of through it, there's going to be a lot of emphasis on recovery and growth. And it sounds like looking to Indigenous run businesses or sort of the Indigenous growth story might be a big part in our broader economic growth moving forward. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, that's what I've heard is, you know, that while there's really hard hit sectors that there's indigenous businesses and economic development corporations that are saying, don't forget us, you know, remember that we're here, we're ready to do business, we want to be part of the solution. And I think that's the shift that we're seeing is that no longer is it acceptable to just view indigenous peoples as a cost on the system, we need to shift to measuring indigenous economic strength. And that's definitely part of what um, post COVID needs to look like is that we actually understand uh, indigenous economic growth. Carol Ann, really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Carol Ann Hilton, she's the CEO and founder of the Indigenomics Institute. Coming up on November 30th on Monday is a virtual forum on designing our economies, Indigenomics by design. I'm Haley Wooden. This has been BIV Today. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back with a new episode in the days ahead. <laughs>